Pat Myers, the new offensive line coach. Does this have you as unexcited as it has me? Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. Look, everyone deserves a chance, but Meyer's not exactly new. You can look at that, as I do fairly, as experience, as a plus. 20 years as an offensive line coach, the past nine of those at the very top level of the game in the NFL. That's good. The Steelers needed that a lot more than they needed to walk down to the next cubicle and tap someone else to get promoted from assistant to the assistant to the assistant to Dwight Schrute to you get the idea. They went to the outside, conducted an actual search, did some interviews, and came away with a candidate that I have no doubt they feel, meaning Mike Tomlin and Matt Canada, who absolutely would have been involved in this process, would be the best fit for this offense heading into 2022. So I have all my obligatory benefits of the doubts out of the way. Now, there's the not-so-small matter of Meyer just having been fired by the Panthers after the Panthers ranked 31st in the offensive line stack that's put together by Pro Football Focus. I, I don't know who 32nd was. I can't believe that it wouldn't be Pittsburgh, but the Panthers were 31st out of 32 NFL teams. The year before, they were 18th. And in the three years before that, when Meyer had the same role with the Chargers, they were 29th, 30th, and 24th. He's gotten almost no results anywhere he's been, at least not for a long time. He did have a good year with the Chargers more than half a decade ago. And you can say all you want that it's way more about the players than it is the coach, and you'd be correct every time. Because I'm sure that if you gave Meyer the prime version of Marquise Pouncey, David DeCastro, Ramon Foster, Alejandro Villanueva, Marcus Gilbert, all those guys, that he would have probably come here and been a decent offensive line coach. But at some point or other, it is incumbent on the coach to make his players better. In fact, that's not at some point. That's at all points of the process. You won't get immediate results, but you want to see improvement. You want to see individuals getting better. You want to see the collective getting better. And not with the Chargers and not with the Panthers did that happen for Meyer. This is a fair, impartial, unbiased, having nothing to do with Mike Munchak assessment of Meyer's performance in a half decade leading up to his employment with the Steelers. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying 
Whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. Now, here's what we don't know about not just the hiring of Meyer as offensive line coach, but any of the other hirings at positional levels. We don't know what the field looks like. As I've mentioned to you on this show before, when you have ongoing searches for positions like general manager and head coach and even coordinators now, you will see teams put out announcements that say, this guy's coming in for an interview. The Rooney rule necessitates some of that, but teams go beyond that voluntarily. We don't see that with positional coaches. And as a result, you're left feeling a little bit hollow. You know, you don't know what kind of field there was. You don't know what the other candidates were. You didn't have a chance to get emotionally attached. <laughs> if anybody's going to do that over an offensive line coach, you don't get a chance to have a horse in the race. You know, oh, yeah, my guy won. You also don't know, and none of us know yet, to what extent it was possible to bring Munchak back here. Yeah, he's the guy I wanted to. He is. Make no apology about that. He was a big hit here. With players I respected immensely. And I know things didn't go particularly well for him in Denver because he didn't have players. The caliber that he had here, going back to my earlier point, it really is mostly about the players. But I also witnessed, with my own eyes, Munchak making players better individually, and then as a unit. And I would have welcomed him coming back. I don't know that that was feasible. He's 62 years old. He's achieved an awful lot, needless to say, as a player and then as a coach. And as we all know, he had personal reasons to want to go to Denver in the first place, in particular his wife needing to be close to family there. Now, I'd like to think that as secretive as the Steelers and really all teams are about the process of hiring positional coaches, that someone in the organization would have had the common sense to kind of sneak out somewhere in some form information that, listen, Munchak wasn't even available for an interview. And maybe that'll happen in the days to come. Because I strongly suspect that he wasn't. And it is at least feasible that of this group of candidates that's out there that have NFL experience, that were in the league last year, was really, really limited. Let's remember that the Bears hired Chris Morgan after two whole games of being the interim offensive line coach here in Pittsburgh. I can't imagine that it's a really great crop that's out there. And I feel completely comfortable saying all of that while in the same breath pointing out that Meyer has been lousy. Here's hoping for all concerned that he isn't lousy in 2022 and that he has his first good season, productive season, progressive season, making people better in a long time. When we come back, just one question. 
Welcome back. Time for J1Q. And today's comes from Randy Waddell, who says, oh, this is good. DK, a local pundit, recently described the Steelers' inside linebacker and defensive line play sans Cam Hayward as, quote, garbage. Said pundit also bemoans the fact that Mike Tomlin calls the defensive plays. While both things can be true, don't you think the Steelers' defensive issues have more to do with the inability of the players to execute their assignments than the quality of the defensive play calls? My appreciation for all you and your team do to foster and support my love of Pittsburgh sports. That's good stuff, Randy. For anybody who doesn't know, the local pundit to whom Randy is semi-pseudo-derisively referring is me. I had mentioned this on a podcast last week. And yes, Randy, I agree with you 100%. Most of what went wrong for the defense when it went wrong in 2021 was the result of execution. It's unmistakable when you watch the positions that were cited there in particular at inside linebacker, the play of Devin Bush, and think to yourself, wow, Keith Butler's just calling the wrong stuff. Or Jerry Olsavsky doesn't know how to coach him up. The same thing went for Joe Schobert. Neither of them could tackle. They couldn't stop the run. At times, they looked like they didn't want to stop the run. That's an indictment of the players in every way. And on the defensive line, as you mentioned, sans cam, the same thing applied. The Steelers tried everything beginning with Tomlin on down, to stop the run schematically, personnel-wise, throwing Henry Mondo out there just because Henry's a big dude. That was the old Dan McCullers approach. And none of it worked. None of it worked. Guys wouldn't stay in their gaps. Guys wouldn't get off blocks. And guys just weren't very good. Most of them weren't very good NFL players. That applies to pretty much everyone who was at inside linebacker and all of the non-CAM defensive linemen. So, no, I'm not at all putting that component on the coaches. But I also feel like it's a fair point of at least discussion to wonder if the process might not be healthier with a true defensive coordinator calling the shots, including the signals as they're happening. There's a reason the DC is up in the booth, or at least Keith Butler was. You have a different view of the field. You have an immediate and constant sense of what's happening, what the adjustments are. You don't need to have somebody radio that down to you. There is no earthly way you can have the same sense of a game of the adjustments from field level. That's not me talking. That's everyone who's ever been involved in the sport of football at any level. Again, there's a reason for those booths. There's also a reason, I dare say, that the Steelers made most of their most effective defensive adjustments through the 2021 season when, yep, right out of halftime. Why? Because everyone had a chance to go into the locker room, 
and tell the head coach what it was that they were seeing. At least that's my presumption. It's just too close for coincidence. Every time, I remember even joking about it as the season went, the Steelers would be getting popped on something relentlessly through the first half, and I'd just keep saying, well, that's okay. They'll figure it all out by the third quarter. And then they would. And then they would, even against very good offenses. Well, why not make that adjustment in the moment? Why not trust the person who you're already trusting with the defensive game planning to put that plan into motion? I do believe that these can be discussions that are had on separate and parallel tracks. I really do. I know what you're saying here. It's not a matter of assigning blame. I'm not into assigning blame because it would usually do that. It's isolated. And for me, isolated blame in a team sport is just weird in addition to being illogical. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one tomorrow.